0: into the shop and you need new breaks and you're like shoot I didn't have savings for that and so I just put it on debt right and all of a sudden it can begin to accumulate and all of a sudden it can feel overwhelming. You can't even you don't even want to think about adding it all up because if you really think about it and put it on paper and look at that number it can be overwhelming right it can feel limiting. Maybe you want to buy a house and you go you know, talk to your, your realtor or the, your finance person and they look up your, your credit and all that stuff and they're like, ooh, your debt to income ratio is limiting you. You can't buy a house because your debt is too big. It can feel stressful, right? You're trying to manage all of the debt and you're realizing what is coming in is not going to cover what needs to go out to keep, to keep your life going. And it can be so stressful. And we know that we need to pay off our debt, right? It just makes sense. We bought it, we need to pay it off. But some of the ways that we can deal with our debt is we minimize our debt in our minds, but we do it by, minim- by paying the minimum payments, right? <laughs> and the APR on those credit cards is just awful. There is a reason why if you look at the buildings in downtown San Diego and every downtown you know, city in America, there's got a name of a bank right on the top of it, right? because they're taking from people that are already down and taking with the interest, those 17, 20% interest, and that's how they're getting wealthy. Uh, we can, another way we deal with debt is we move it around, right? We transfer it from one card to another card, which, you know, at least we're paying less interest, but we're really just spinning in circles and not moving forward. Or we can just try to ignore the debt altogether, which just continues to build the mountain and eventually, can lead to what bankruptcy, right? And so, in our series called Strapped, we're learning how to new ways to use money instead of allowing money to use us. Now, take a breath. There is no giving campaign in this series. There's no pressure to give money. I promise you. We're going to do the normal offering at the end of the service, like we do every single Sunday. Uh, and if you are You know, if you don't like the fact that we're talking about money in church, I totally get it. But here's the truth, is that money impacts every single one of us. And it impacts our relationships and our lives in such a deep way. And God has amazing things, helpful things, practical things to say for us to live with financial peace and financial freedom. And so we're going there in this series. Today is about taking control of your finances through money money. Management through wise money management. Uh, And if you are the kind of person where you're like, I'm not broke, I'm not strapped, sorry about, sorry to all the rest of you that are, Jesus has much to say to you in this message today as well. So the first component is that you need to let God speak to you about your finances. You need to let God speak to you about your finances. There's about 2,300 verses, scriptures. In the Bible, about how God wants us to use money and possessions, God has really good things to say about, about this topic. And so God wants to speak to you. Are you open? Are you open to letting God speak to you? Are you the, or do you see money and all that stuff as like not a spiritual issue or really something that is outside of God? God wants to speak to you about your finances when I was engaged in November of 2006, my wife and I, my fiance and I did a version of Financial Peace University. Here's, I found it on my bookshelf. Here's the workbook that we went through about 15 years ago. Uh, and we realized that the concepts of financial management and all these things, it's very simple. The concepts are, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand them right? uh, Financial Peace University is the name of this nine-week course that we offer every semester here at Grace Church. It's one of our connect groups, and Dave Ramsey kind of came up with the course, and he calls it the seven baby steps. You may have heard of it before. The first one is save money. Okay, check. Number two, pay off your consumer debt. Okay, check. Uh, Step three, create a budget. Okay, check. Four, invest money. Check. I mean, these, this stuff is simple, right? However, we've simultaneously realized it's really hard to do. Simple to understand, but hard to put in practice. Amen? Amen? Now, come on. I know I'm speaking to more people than just myself. Because why? It requires a change to our lifestyle. It requires a change to our habits and what we're doing with our money. And there, this is where we come to realize, as a society and as a people, we are not free. But in truth and in reality, we are strapped. You see, a slave always has an owner. A slave always has a slave driver. That slave driver is exploiting the slave, taking from the slave as much as they can get without giving anything back in return. And this is the truth. If, if the slave could, could, could see the slavery that they're in, and if there was no change, they would just get up and walk away, right? Right? This is when we come to realize that culture has this way of enslaving us to its systems, to be be bound to debt. And we need to see these cultural slave drivers and resist them with everything that we have. Can you recognize the cultural slave drivers keeping you in debt? Maybe one example is an entitlement mentality. It's the concept that says, I deserve it, I want it, and I'm going to get it. Regardless if, if my bank account says I, it's in the budget and I have the money for it, I want it, I'm gonna swipe it, boom, it's mine, I'm entitled to it. Keeps us enslaved. Another con, uh, cultural slave driver is, is just a laziness mentality. Could be a couple different things, but one is like, you know, I'm streaming my shows, I'm gaming for hours, I'm so, on social media for a, a long, too much time every day. Instead of putting in the hard work to build my future towards a certain end. Or another lazy way we're lazy is we just don't have a budget. We don't keep track of it. And so you're the kind of person where you get to the end of the month and you say, where did all my money go? Another slave-driving cultural kind of concept is we, you derive your satisfaction from your stuff. Man, Amazon is hook, can hook us, can't it? It feels so good to like click, And then we track it. It's like, oh, and then the box comes. It feels so good. Or maybe you derive your satisfaction from like the kind of symbol that you have on your car. Or the kind of brand that you wear with your clothing. And we can feel good about ourselves, important, successful. That's another way that we're driven by this culture. Do you have a debt slave driver that you want to ask God to help you see and to help you break free from. I did. When I, My senior year at UCSD, spring break, I went to Catalina Island with like hundreds of other college students, and we were studying the gospel of Mark. Exciting, huh, for spring break? Um, but at Catalina, we were studying the rich ruler compared to the poor widow. Now, the rich ruler is a man, true story, who came to Jesus and had this conversation, and Jesus said, I want you to sell all your possessions. Go give it to the poor and come follow me. And he said, I I can't do it. And he walked away from Jesus. Now, the poor widow, she gave all that she had to God. And Jesus honored her, and she became an example to the disciples of, of what true greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. And if I'm honest with you, I identified with the rich ruler. And God was speaking to me at Catalina Island. Jesse, your life is driven. I was an economics major at UCSD. My plan was to get a, get, go get my MBA, go into the business world, and just make a lot of money. Why? Because I wanted a garage full of toys. I wanted lots of, you know, shiny things. And that was, it was really about my self-consumption. Self-absorption. It was. It was. I was driven by all the things I wanted, and Jesus really spoke to me powerfully. Said, Jesse, would you take? Would you exchange your dream? Would you give it to me? Would you take my dream for your life? And it's. It was what began the process of what I'm doing today, being up here. About 15 years ago, um, there is nothing wrong. I'm trying to do the math. I don't forget how many years ago it was 2005. Uh, There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. But the question is are you serving the money or is the money serving you? Have you mastered it or has it mastered you? And I'm pulling this from Jesus because he's a genius. In Matthew 6 24, this is the way that Jesus frames it. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And here's the bottom line. You cannot serve both God and money. There is no gray area. There is no middle ground. There is no third option. Jesus is making it abundantly clear that we will either serve our money and we can't serve God, or we will serve God and allow him to help us understand how to use our money to serve him. Are you hearing Jesus speak to you about this area in your life? Take a moment just to let God speak to you because he's not, he's not stingy. He's not, he doesn't want to make us suffer. He wants to speak to us to set us free from those slave drivers, to begin to hear him speak to us in a new way. The second component to taking control of your finances is you gotta do the hard work. Hey, welcome to growing up, right people? Welcome to becoming an adult. (laughs) This is true of anything that's worth it in life. If you wanna have a successful marriage full of growing intimacy and affection, it takes hard work to keep that going, right? If you wanna learn to surf, it takes hard work. You're gonna get pounded for a season. If you wanna finish college, graduate school, it takes hard work. Hearing God's voice and learning to obey it, it takes hard work. You know, it is difficult to stop spending money on things that we want in order to pay off debt from 10 years ago. That's hard work. You don't get to see the results of that, at least, you know, with stuff coming in. We've raised four kids, my wife and I, in San Diego uh, on a ministry salary for... Since 2005, how many years that is. I have 18 here. Um, but we made a decision that we, if we don't have the money, we're not going to spend it. We're not going to go backwards into debt. Now, if I'm honest, we have. <laughs> but we, you know, two steps forward, one step back. But we have worked really hard to move this thing forward. You know, some of, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, okay, God, you're, you're speaking to my heart. Here's the plan, God. We need a miracle we need a miracle, God. So I'm after church. I'm gonna go buy a lottery ticket, and as soon as, and once God, you miraculously pay off my debt, then I can really start working the plan. Or you have a rich uncle. You're like, I'm gonna go call him up, tell him the plan. I just got inspired in church, and Jesus is looking at you like, that's not how this works. Is it possible that the miracle from God can be? You hear him speak into your heart, and you begin to put in the hard work. You begin to work the steps, and it can be really painful and frustrating. And in that process, you, become, you learn how to become dependent upon God. You begin to experience God's faithfulness in this area of your life. Is that, possibly, is that possible? That's where the miracle comes. You know, the secret to making it less hard, one of the secrets is you celebrate the small wins along the way. So with the debt snowball, for example. Did I explain the debt snowball? It's you pay off the smallest debt first and then you roll that into the second debt and then you take that amount of money, those monthly payments, and roll it to the third. And each debt you pay off, you celebrate, you make it a big deal because we need those wins. Another piece of advice is that you don't lower your values, you just adjust your values. So an example, my wife and I have never stopped date nights in our 14, almost 15 years of marriage. However, we don't go spend a ton of money at a restaurant because a lot of money goes to restaurants, right? You may need to go to in and out and then go to the cliffs and spend $15. Or, you know, another way we adjust our values, we don't stop being generous, but maybe we just, we can, okay, 1%. I can start there, God. And maybe next year I can move it up to like 2%. Right? We continue our values, but we need to adjust how they play themselves out. And so the two components of money management is, number one, we hear God speak to us. Number two, we put in the hard work. And for the third component, I want to start with a poem about Chinese bamboo. You t- <laughs> My wife just laughed at me. You take a little seed and you plant it and you water it, and you fertilize it for a whole year, and nothing happens. I know, it gets worse. The second year, you water it, and you fertilize it, and nothing happens. The third year, you water it, and you fertilize it, and nothing happens. How discouraging this becomes. The fifth year, you continue to water and fertilize the seed, and then take note. Sometime during the fifth year, the Chinese bamboo tree sprouts and grows 95 feet in six weeks. That's crazy stuff. Money management can feel a little bit like trying to grow bamboo. You're working it. You're fertilizing it. You're watering it. And it seems like nothing is happening. It can be so frustrating. But it you need to understand something is happening beneath the surface. That the, the roots are taking root. It's, it's beginning to grow a strong foundation. You know, you can begin. Let's see if I can get this right. You can start planting today what you want to see in five years from now. And start seeing the fruit in five years from now. Or you can wait five more years, keep doing what it is you're doing, and then start to plant and then have to wait another five more years. You see, the seven steps to financial freedom, this is not a one-year program. This is a lifelong commitment where we have a defining moment where we change our lives. You see, Jesus says in Mark 4, 31, he says, The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed planted in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air could come perch in its shades. The beginning work of the kingdom of God, a new work in your life, can start so small, like a little seed, that it seems so insignificant, like there's no potential packed into that little seed. But make no mistake the kingdom of God may start small, but when you plant that seed and you keep watering it, you keep fertilizing it, it's growing these strong roots, and it becomes this strong tree that provides shade and blessing. It provides blessing to those around you. The third component of good financial management is you get to reap the rewards. Amen? You get to reap the rewards. I, I look at the home that we were able to purchase in San Diego, and I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you, God. It is amazing. And, you know, our home is a, is a, is a place that we want God to work. It's, we've had a connect group that has met for years in our home. My family, we are a testimony to God's faithfulness, his faithfulness when you work these principles and being able to reap the benefits. Make no mistake, it is hard work. But the reward is financial peace and freedom. These, this deeply rooted life where you get to be a blessing to others around you. I, I hear people say from time to time, you know, it's expensive to have kids. You ever heard that before? I get it. I got four of them. But we put in the work to have a deeply rooted life financially where we can be this strong tree to provide blessing to our kids. And we never wanted that to stop us from what God's called in our lives. And um, not only that, but we just recently became California certified foster parents for the state of California. We have, we have, God has expanded our ability to provide even more blessing, even more blessing to those around us I wouldn't trade those years of scarcity for anything. Man, the first seven years I was a missionary raising my financial support and I have so many stories of just like being at the poverty line, getting paid nothing and my money wasn't coming in that provided for us and my paycheck gonna get, was gonna get cut and, and God providing and it was, it was in the crucible of that scarcity and trusting God with his principles that forged a deep conviction in my life and in my, <laughs> she's right there at the front, <laughs> tear up a little bit, that provided this deeply, this deep belief in the faithfulness of God. And now I get to stand up here and call you Grace Church to, to put your faith and your trust and your belief and your actions into the truth and the faithfulness and the promises of God. If you are not strapped because you're financially set, again, earning money, nothing wrong with it. It is a blessing and a gift to make a lot of money. But there is also great responsibility according to God. This is not according to me, by the way. So take me out of the equation, and this is according to God. Do you know that the majority of those 2,300 verses is actually to those that have resources and wealth. God is calling you to be a a steward of what God has entrusted to you. It's all his anyways. That's what we talked about last week. Right? God wants you to leverage what you have for eternal ends, not for temporary ends, for things that impact the kingdom of God. Things like taking care of the poor and the widow and the orphan and the refugee. It's in scripture all over. Just go check it out for yourself. God is passionate about fueling the evangelistic mission of his church by people that are lost, being found, eternally separated from God, receiving eternal life. For making disciples and growing mature followers of Jesus. I mean, this is what God has called those that have resources to manage in a way. And guess what? It takes the same kind of faith, the same kind of trust for the broke as it does for the wealthy to hear God speak to you and put the hard work in. Actually, according to God, it actually takes more faith. It is even harder for the wealthy to, put, to, to manage their budget in such a way where they're leveraging their resources for the things of the kingdom. Jesus said how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Just read the book of James, and he lays out, man, use your resources, not for yourself. All right, I'll stop being mean. <laughs> <laughs> but amazing benefits and fruit when you start using what you have uh, for the kingdom. So um, is God speaking to you about managing your money? Do you hear God speaking into your heart? Do you, are you ready to come up with a plan and work hard at it. Are you ready to, to let God reap the rewards in your life? To experience reaping the war, rewards through generosity with your life? Whether you are rich or you are strapped, you may not know where to begin. Maybe your family did not teach you how to manage money God's way. Maybe the church never taught you. Maybe the primary, and secondary, the educational system failed you in knowing how to manage your money. Or maybe you do, but you just need some motivation and some accountability, right? That is the genius of Financial Peace University. He will pump you up. (laughs) He will get you on fire to take control of this. And also when you're in it with other people from Grace, there's this great accountability that sometimes we really need to make movement forward. And so it's one of the many connect groups offer that's starting in a few weeks. It'll be meeting Wednesday nights right here in the cottage. There's a story of a man in Luke 19 who was all about the dollar-dollar bills. <laughs> his name was Zacchaeus, and he was a wealthy man, and he um, was okay hurting people in order to grow his own financial base. He was a crooked man. And Jesus identified him by name, and it, it radically changed Zacchaeus' life. He had a defining moment, a redefining moment in his life and he gave his life to Jesus. And something clicked inside of Zacchaeus. And it's recorded in Luke nineteen eight. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, said to Jesus, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it to him fourfold. I'm like, bro, you're going to be broke. <laughs> That's how I read it. And Jesus said to him, And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. You see, really, this is not about money. This is about giving our lives to Jesus and a whole new orientation of our lives towards the kingdom of God. Salvation just means being saved, being saved by Jesus. And maybe you're in here and you're like, that's where I need to start. I am not a Christian. I'm not walking with God. I'm not a man or a woman of God. And God, I just want to turn the orientation of my life to you, Jesus, and I'm gonna pray for that. I wanna pray for you if that's you, because God loves you. He wants to give you the gift of eternal life. For some of you, you're like, yeah, I have some cultural slave drivers that are keeping me bound, and Jesus, would you set me free from those? For others, you're hearing God say, I wanna let God take control of my finances. Where you tell every dollar, every month, where it's going to go. Instead of being the kind of person where you get to the end of the month and you say, where did all my money go? Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you God that you care about this area of our lives. Thank you that you um, wanna use money and finances to transform us, you want to disciple us, you want to grow our faith through this. God, thank you you're not stingy. God, thank you that you are not holding holding things back from us. But God, you um, are gonna use this area to shape us to be more like you, Jesus, to have a vision from you, God. And so thank you for that, God. Help us not be afraid of trusting you in this area. For anyone here who has not given their life to you, Jesus, who is not a Christian, and they want to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, earning the right for me to be forgiven forever. God, I receive you into my life. Make me into a man of God, a woman of God. That's where I start today. For those that want to say, Jesus, help break the ways that I'm strapped and in bondage. Jesus, may you just come into my life. Set me free, God. I want to have a defining moment, a new way of how I see and view money and resources, God. God. God, help me to manage my money in a way that brings financial peace and power and freedom and generosity and blessing into this world. In Jesus' name, amen.